Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. This is Shad here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you? Uh, doing good, Shad. I'm doing good as well. Well, I would be doing better if I wasn't going to be subjected to Brock and Omos and Lashley and Bray at Mania. <laughs> well, the good news is you don't have to be if you don't want to be. I, I, <laughs> so, it, the, the, the Bray thing, the Bray lashley thing really upsets me you should never never put lashley in that situation uh, they i mean they've done it before but i think mean, a lot of people were expecting it to be like brock and lashley again which is like i don't want to see that but that makes more sense and well, you no, could people... probably get like a decent match out of that it's just like they could just like throw bombs at each other and it never would have happened but people had fan fiction brock gunther for mania oh oh they, they absolutely did and honestly like why not i mean that that would have been like a good match well why can't but like why can't you do the um the the all-american farm boy riding his tractor out at mania to take on the guy you keep alluding to nazi stuff with even with his <laughs> video game rating that he has to then make a correction because even he sees what you did dumbasses yeah he's he's self-aware of that I, do you do they think that, that that's just what they gave him as like a bog standard one and they were they didn't realize that that was like I don't was, know because was, it's it, to me it's like it's Occam's razor it's like there's a little too much of this like one one like Nazi illusion it's like okay well that that could be coincidental and what's like what's the old uh the old like Goldfinger line it's like once it's happenstance. Two times it's coincidence, three times it's enemy action. It's like I think we're we're edging onto enemy action, right? A conspiracy or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not exactly the uh, the best uh, the best look, is it? So anyway, we'll go ahead and take care of our shoutouts real quick. Uh, right here at the beginning, the first one's going to go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, Collar and Elbow Use the promo code for Corners Podcast. That's the number four, capital C in Corners, capital P in Podcast, to save 10% off your order. Other shout-out, I'm going to say the folks in Eastern Kentucky could use your help because they got – basically they had such a big instance of oral flooding again that lots of folks even had PTSD out of it. And there's lots of cleanup that didn't happen because uh, basically everybody picked up and went to Florida. <clears throat> and so um, if you would – be willing to help those folks. I'm going to direct you to the Apple shop, A-P-P-A-L-S-H-O-P.org to um, give them a hand because I know they could use it. Our other shout out goes over to Matt. Uh, that would be to Orlando Cologne. You know, Orlando Cologne, pretty much everything he does is delightful, Chad. Nothing I can complain about. Nothing that he does that grinds my gears. 
Matt, that sounds like a segue. It's something of a segue, yeah. It is, it is. Uh, Brad, can you give us a little background on what we're getting into? Okay, so this is actually going to be a three-episode series, probably spaced out over the next two months. So um, what we're going to do is each of us is getting an episode to, devoted to us and what our specific pet peeves with wrestling is. Because I, I had listened back to a couple episodes, and I realized, like, especially me, like, I kind of go into sometimes long-form reasons why why things are the way they should be. Like, when I talk about what I think, like, the aesthetics of a jobber should be. Yeah. Or what, like, my pet peeves with job matches are, which is just murder the guy. <laughs> so I thought, I thought it'd be interesting to creep into each of our brains a little bit and really kind of dig around and see what, like, just... Um, makes our nipples hard in a bad way. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you just had to pick that phrasing, didn't you? Well, I mean, I mean, I have to, you know, Jericho Appreciation Society does it all the time. Uh, okay, fair enough. Which I, you know, he's done that a million times, and he still gets that in there good enough to make me laugh some weeks. Yeah, yeah, he's. he's he, I have to appreciate the ability to keep a running gag alive in the face of, of it getting overplayed, but handling it. And another wonderful thing that happens is, um, sometimes he'll start cracking up at something because I mean, honestly, it just takes you so off guard. You can't help, but be amused by it. Like, I, I can't even remember what the sequence was, but it's, um, Everybody is, is shouting threats at Ricky Starks, but they're using the same lead-in line. And it, uh, it was something like, you're not absolute, and I'm magic. And you're not absolute, and I'm a wizard. And then Jake Hager in the back goes, you're not magic, you're not absolute, and I like this hat. And Jericho just about lost it. And that just makes me like him a little bit more. It's the fact that, you know, stuff like that still gets to him. There, and everybody else is being so stone-faced, but he's just about cracked. There's a TNA clip from, like, the main event Mafia where Steiner's, like, doing some promo, and Sting is just, like, losing his shit in the background. <laughs> you know what? I'd like to see that. because it, Some of the Mean Gene ones are always funny, too. The corpsing is... I know I know corpsing, send for the man. You know, the Botchamania joke. But I enjoy corpsing a little bit because it, it helps me to know that the people I'm watching are having a good enough time. They can enjoy themselves, too. Um, the uh, <clears throat> they, that <laughs> was a that was a famous um, fully Owen thing is if they are working Austin, their whole goal was to make him would make him break character. <laughs> I love that. Story. And they said um, they said he would always like you could tell because he was always. um. He was head down on the announce table. And um, it was bad news Alan was talking about. He worked with Dick Murdoch once on a yeah. tour of Japan. And they were working these guys that weren't trained well. And they were doing something that he would sell by doing the leech. He's like, which way did he go? Which way did he go? <laughs> and he said, he said he was laughing so hard because Dick Murdoch was, you know, insane. And he said he had to crawl under the ring and hide because he was laughing so hard. And Dick Murdoch was like pulling him out, asking him where he was going. <laughs> Wasn't that the one you told me that in the middle of the match he did the curly shuffle? No, he did, he did. That's why he was never NWA champion because he get bored and he just do stuff like that. Like someone would do something and he would just start curly shuffling in the in the ring. 
there was I can't remember which match it was, but there it was a Hogan Sting match that had that happen. Like oh, that Sting's was the one. Getting, was that, that was the one. That no, that was the the nitro after and it, it made sense in the context because sting makes this big comeback he does like the stinger hulk up and he takes hogan out but he runs out of juice like halfway through and he hits the ropes and he kind of like just yeah goes down and he headbutts hogan right in the dick because he goes down and hogan <laughs> yeah. starts like it does the shuffle right in the middle of but it area. worked because he just got hit in the balls and he's like doing this curly shuffle going like <laughs> oh my god like oh my god I remember that spot actually. Yeah. My, my favorite what Heel Hogan did though is when he sold for that like old lady in Knoxville or something. Oh, I remember that so well. Because he he had the presence of mind to back off when she was taking a swing at him because she swung. What? Well, um, like she claw claw hands swung at if him. If you listen to the old timers, the old ladies are the vicious ones. Because <laughs> Chris Chris Zellner talks about. Um, he talks about it was maybe his mom and her sister or his grandma and her sister would go to the matches and they'd throw ice cubes at the heels. Mm. <laughs> but uh, you you a... listened if you listen to some of those old timers talk though they always say like you have to watch out for the old ladies. Yeah. Uh, just as an aside, uh, since Sting was mentioned, like I, I still think today like one of the funniest uh, bits that they've done in AEW, his tenure in AEW is when. Like I, it was uh, it was him outside the ring, <laughs> paired off against Orange Cassidy. Yeah. Do you remember the spot? Like Orange Cassidy like, was doing his like shtick. Yeah. Was, like doing the the soft shin kicks. Doing the kicks. Yeah. And so Sting does like a very soft Orange Cassidy guess, like beat of his chest, like he does. <laughs> yeah. Like Cassidy did... does the kicks, and Sting looks at him and just goes tap 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 tap. Yes. The, the understated great part of that is Darby Allen coming over and being like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. <laughs> no, my favorite Sting moment was at Forbidden Door, and I don't remember who it was, but the guy that just started giving him the titty twisters, and Sting's like, "What are you doing, man?" <laughs> and then like just did like the nose like, oh, like yes. strike on him. him. But just the there interviews, are... like he's like, "Come on." Have some dignity. There are there are people who have told me it's like, oh, Orange Cassidy doesn't. Yeah, I said, you know what? Sting likes Orange Cassidy. Sting played into his gimmick. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna trust Sting over you. You know, you're not gonna convince me not to like Orange Cassidy. Actually, you know, you know what my favorite Orange Cassidy one is is when um this is back on the Indies. I think it was Beyond when he wrestled Jervis Cottonbelly, and Jervis Cottonbelly um rocked him and sang him to sleep. <laughs> I've seen variations on that one. Yeah, but he, he's a guy who fully embraces his gimmick and is really good at it. Uh, yeah. There's some clip. I mean, it was like from BTE or or something. I forget where it's from, but it's like it's it's him surrounded by a bunch of guys and like they do like a zoom like right into his face. He takes his glass off and he goes, "This is terrible." And it's like so <laughs> just deadpan. It's like he so gets it and the other uh the other one was like he was on i think it was on tbs or something it was some like promo that they did for like a baseball game mm-hmm. or something and they were interviewed like they had i think they had the best friends there and he they caught they like they asked him he was, seemed like totally unaware and he's like oh hey what was this baseball <laughs> everything was just so yeah. deadpan he kind of he kind of ruined the gimmick a bit on the floor is lava Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he when, tried a little bit. Didn't well, he? no, but the problem is, if you have you if either of you seen his appearance on there, I yes. have. Yeah. Well, he does the he does the thumbs up when he dies, but 
<laughs> but he he wrecks the course until the very end. Like he makes stuff just look like nothing. Like yeah. super complicated stuff. Because he's he's ridiculously acrobatic. Yeah. Yeah. And Chris Statlander, there's a thing she did where like I've seen every other contestant would have fall, fallen and she just powered herself up. Oh yeah. Yep. She's yep. and people kind of I don't know if they underrate her, but she, she's not like deceptively like a power person, but like no, she's like actually ridiculously strong. No, because that's why she's actually better. And Shad and I have talked about this on the show before. Like especially the Brit match, she's so strong that she can actually power through her screw ups and mm, save yeah. herself. Yeah. Like oh, I don't have that suplex like good enough. Like ah, eh, I'll just put yeah, a I do bit. now. Yeah. So unfortunately, that's enough of um. That's enough of stuff that we like. We're getting into the pet peeves tonight. And the um, unfortunate truth of it is the guys decided I'm going first. Because well, so, we talked about some of these recently, so I thought yeah. we'd, we'd poke at you a little more. So there's a list put together, and I am not guiding the train on the list. So you, you guys are going to... Well, you bring them up in whatever order, and we'll go down the list. But it this is not this is not an exhaustive list. These well, are just like some of the bigger ones, I think. So, so speaking of things that lead to nothing, let's um let's talk about your first one, which is opening sequences that accomplish nothing. Oh. So so for those God. at home that are trying to imagine this, this is like the the really indulgent like indie will osprey like let's flip around and do these moves that do nothing it's kind of like if you've ever seen that really cool um rob van dam tajiri match for the hardcore title on raw where they kind of did that and it got a pop think about that like even more pointless and like cranked up to 50 see when rvd and tajiri did it it was to establish it's like no 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 we've got to read on each other and it didn't go on very long but the ones that kill me, and for some reason, I, the, one of the names that comes to mind for me is Jack Evans. Oh, yeah, he's bad at that. So here you go. I, I've seen the start of this indie match. and here They're in the middle of the ring, and one of them goes in on the other, and the other guy moves, and he whips into the ropes, and, they, and he comes in, and the other guy dodges, and he goes into the ropes, and here comes the other guy, and he moves him out of the way, and he jumps on the ropes, and the guy the guy rolls under as he comes off the ropes, and nothing happens. He goes onto the ropes, and he jumps on, and then nothing happens, and one of them goes – one of them goes for a hip toss, and the guy flips out of the hip toss and does hip toss to the other guy, and the other guy lands on his feet too. And then they, they you know, they keep going, and then one of them, you know, backflips off the top, and the guy runs underneath him, and then he jumps off something, and the guy runs underneath him, and then and and then they just stop and stare at each other. And I'm like, you didn't, okay, you did not just establish that you guys are evenly matched. You guys established that you can choreograph an acrobatic sequence and it takes me completely out of the it's pointless it doesn't accomplish anything it blows you up you're three minutes into the match you're all blown up everybody's just like "Ooh, they did all this stuff and if you don't keep doing that the crowd's gonna die now shad let's say let's say let's say they did that but for a shorter time let's say they did that for like the first 90 seconds and then they stop and do the stare down and the heel just pokes the other guy in the eyes and then goes okay. on offense we we've got something there at least you know that it they're they're that's subverting this this idea is we're gonna do all this stuff and then we're gonna stare at each other and we're gonna be like, we're on even ground then the field goes doink and the guy's like ah god you know 
that's taking, oh, we did all this impressive stuff. And then it's like, hey, I go back to the basics and, and take you down a peg. Now, I like when they do. I like when they throw some, like, variations in there. Like, maybe the guy has long hair and he goes to hit the ropes and the guy, like, takes him down by the hair. And then they go into, like, some more stuff and maybe they throw in, like, some some stuff like that. The I think the crux of it for me of what really pisses me off is the fact that most of the time when I see these, they don't accomplish anything. They don't go anywhere. It's you could lop the first half. You could lop that off of the front of the match and the rest. It wouldn't make a difference if they do something and they're if it. OK, like you said, Brad, it's 90 seconds. So they're hitting the ropes and they're dodging each other. And then it, it ends with the baby face hitting you know, springboards off the ropes and hits a missile drop kick and the heel bumps and rolls out of the ring from it. Okay. I get that. Now, I'm, can I ask you a question where, so let's say, let's say they do this, but let's say the rest of the match, it's obvious like by the story they're telling that they're just having a dick waving contest. Would that make it more acceptable to you? If it's obvious that the whole point that they're both after is just to show the other guy up in story. Then don't start with that. Because now what you're doing is you're not telling that story from the beginning. If you want to do that in the middle of the match, whenever the blood's up and you're like, you've both been getting stuff on it. If, if your story is that you're evenly matched and you're progressing this far and then you want to have these guys, uh, you know, you want to show just how evenly matched they are. Like we're to this point and then you do that big sequence and you, they stop and they look at each other. OK, I get that at least you've laid the groundwork for it. But if you just do it right at the beginning, pardon my language, but you're just jacking off in the ring. Because there was a there was like a PWG one where they where the Lucha Brothers and Bucks did like that kind of self-indulgent opening sequence stuff. But they would stop and then they would like both teams would just start doing the suck it at each other like over and over again. And even at one point, I think the Lucha Brothers got out of the ring and like stole their their ring jackets and started pretending to be them in between like doing all that stuff. No, that's, that's still no, don't do that at the beginning. Don't but L- it, look, but the whole point was, but the whole point of that match though, was they've wrestled a million times and they're just like, they're just trying to get under each other's skin and be douchebags I mean, to each other. The nine out of 10 rule will apply, but the truth is I still don't like it. If that's the first thing that you're doing, what's comparing you know you would see like old raw compilations you would see a jerry lawler match and he spends like eight minutes stalling and dicking around before the match actually starts and how much people hated that that's what i am seeing happen with these kinds of sequence except it just has more cardio to it but see the problem with the difference though with the lawler thing is if you're the heel and you're at a live event in the 80s, like pissing people off, like doing that stuff is like a legitimate tactic. Mm-hmm. Like, if, like doing the like if if you're flair and like you go to do the lockup and instead you like strut away and like, you know, run your hands through your hair and like start posing and stuff and like just, you know, just wasting time like that legitimately pisses people off and they're going to start booing you. You're healing then. Yeah. You're being a heel, and that's fine. But that's not what's happening in those sequences. Those opening sequences live in this land of there's no face or heel in this. We're just 
both totally awesome, and we're going to show you how totally awesome we are. If we had skate by, skateboards and a half pipe, we'd be doing like, you know, 760 spins and that sort of thing. It's just like, dude, shut up. God, everybody in the business is full enough of themselves as it is. Just get over it. I think the Bucks don't get enough credit for when they're heels, they do stuff to, like, piss the crowd off. I I think that you're right about that. I mean, just the fact that um, I think it's I think it's Nick Jackson would just st- stop in the middle of stuff and do the Macho Man pose in the middle of it and be like, oh, dude. And it's like, you know, for the minute, you know, I got to do what the and then it's like, OK, no, that's that's a pretty good heel spot. You know, and, like, and I think the, the I think what the other thing that like especially indie acts that like do stuff the bucks do it's like no the bucks are masters at it and it's an art form when they do it it just sucks when you do it because the bucks have like charisma they like understand like working psychology into that stuff like they know how to make it a spectacle live like you don't do any of that stuff the bucks understand the why now look yeah i and the Bucks show ass. That's the other thing people don't understand about the Bucks is they show an incredible amount of ass, and they'll just like chump each other, chump themselves to get the faces over. I mean, let's be honest. In the early AEW, they put other people over a lot. They had to. And it, t- Tony Tony Khan said they had to start telling them no, and Kenny Omega no. Yeah, like the guys understand a lot more than they're given credit for, and. They know what they're doing. They wouldn't be as they wouldn't have been able to buy houses off of T-shirt money if they didn't know what they were doing. Even the clip of the six year old like, no, it was like an eight year old that they super kicked. And I know the cornet zealots hate that. But even that clip, they show more understanding of like being a heel. Yeah. That with the timing, they showed ass for the kid like they, you know, they they understood their role. Yes, and by the way, anybody who gets mad about that sort of stuff, it's like Ric Flair. It, I saw it claimed. I don't know if it's true or not, but you know, Ric Flair actually had a match with a broom once. It's like that's the exact same thing. They are proving they can have a good match with someone who is doesn't know what they're doing and that but, they can lead the whole thing. Yeah, that's that's a flex. That's not something to look down on. That's the, just them showing you how good they are. What's the difference though between that and like some guy coming out and pulling like Flair's like suit off and he's like prancing around in his underwear all pissed off because he got embarrassed. There's not. And his knee high socks because it was the eighties. He, he wore those all the way into the nineties. But I know. The, here's the thing. The difference between that stuff and these stupid opening sequences that don't go anywhere is yeah. The heel, like you said, shows ass. The heel takes heat. The baby face gets over on the heel that way. These stupid opening sequences, nobody gets over the other person. That's what I mean when I say nothing is accomplished. There's no bump. There's no offensive move landed. There's nothing of consequence that actually happens. So you could take the first two, three minutes of the match, cut it off, and nothing would change. Literally nothing would change. The difference you would see is that the crowd is going to be pissed that they're not seeing that sort of stuff the entire match. And they're not seeing that the entire match because these guys choreographed that whole opening from the get-go. And then when you get into the actual match, they just start doing moves without knowing why they're putting them together that way. See, this is how I would do it if I was to keep that opening three-minute sequence. 
I would have the face obviously have the heels number at various points throughout that and the heel getting progressively more mad and then cheating and getting offense when they stop. Yeah, but that's not what happens. I know, but I'm saying like there's there's really subtle ways like you can do your flippy stuff, but at the end of the day, like, oh, you do your flip, flip, flip. Oh, you got drop kicked. Oh, flip, flip, run, run. Oh, he he arm dragged you. Here's here's the yeah, here's the easy thing. You start off, you do some stuff, then land an actual move. Have the heel powder out. He's on the outside, mad at himself. He's like, no, 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 this can't. And then go back in. If you want to do another one of those sequences, that's fine. Boom, you know, springboard drop kick, and the heel powders out, and he's like, no, 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 no. And then you get back and you do another one, and the face goes to do something, and the heel, you know, you know, pokes him in the eye or grabs his hair. Or, kicks him in the junk or whatever, and then takes over, and then you start the heel section of the match. Okay, guess what's happened? We have established three times that the face is better than the heel, and the heel has to cheat to take over. Or, or, the only, that's or, not hard. Or do it like in a way where you are switching offense, but like the heel stuff is all cheaty. Like, oh, you hit the drop kick. Oh, you do some flippy stuff. Oh, the heel like pulled your hair. Um... Oh, you know, you got an arm drag. Oh, the heel, like, um, the heel put you in a headlock and kind of, like, roughed you up a bit. And, like, you know what I mean? Like, there's there's, yeah. there's little things you can throw in there to, like, throw character. In. But that's not what they're doing. No. They're just, they're just, I have athletic stuff, therefore that's my gimmick. It, you remember in early Impact Wrestling, there was a guy in the X Division whose whole gimmick was Mr. 630? Because he could do the 6:30 centon. Yeah, that's literally the only thing I remember about that guy. Is that Jason Cross. I don't know. The problem is if that's the if quote unquote being athletic and doing flippy stuff is the only thing you got going for you, then you ain't got a whole lot going for you. I, I because have a problem that's with... the same thing as a guy who can brawl. That's the same thing as a guy who can do submission stuff. It just so happens that your stuff involves jumping a lot more. You have the exact same problem if you don't have character or gimmick on top of that. I have a problem with those guys that do like that fancy stuff, but their basic suck. Now I, I do want to throw I do want to throw Hogan Paul. <laughs> I, I do want to throw I do want to throw like thing in there for uh, i agree with you but i also want to throw in the the opening exorbitant mat work that's kind of like spot monkey mat work like zach saber jr does that also leads nowhere yeah i don't i don't care for go ahead matt i'm sorry i find that less uh personally bothersome to me i mean i get what you're saying it's like there's a lot of but that's it's also kind of like the old like to me it's very like the old johnny scene uh, type of wrestling where it's like let me basically like do an arm bar let me do like all these like twists and turns and somersaults and stuff like that just twist into an arm bar and it's like okay well it's kind of visually interesting but it you could have like cut out like 10 steps to get here so it's like it's you could say that it's like superfluous and for some reason that doesn't bother me as much as like will osprey no, Will oh, Ospreay is just terrible. I guess where the, the the pointless mat work that bothers me is the guys that do stuff, and it's like you, you've you really never grappled with another human being or, like, play wrestled with someone because, like, you would not be able to do this to a person actually resisting you. Yeah. I I just want to slide in about Will Ospreay. Like, I'm not – and there are a lot of people that love him. I am not 
a fan. I've said this many times. No, we before, we, but, we routinely shit on him on the show. Yeah, but I, and I brought this up on the show before. But it, it, there's a guy on Twitter that I, I read back in the day, like when he was when he was talking about the uh, he was talking about the dynamite that had the six man uh, the trios tournament for the titles, and it was a uh, death triangle. So obviously you have like the Lucha Brothers there, and against uh, Will Ospreay and Aussie Open. And the guy wrote on Twitter, it's like, okay, the first time I see Ray Phoenix and Will Ospreay do like a 20-move sequence and never make any sort of contact with each other, I'm going to turn this off. And like literally a minute later, literally a minute later, he's like, all right, I'm done, because that happened. Like it happened like the next minute. And it's like, okay. And, and, you know, this is the type of stuff that like Dave Meltzer will be like clapping like a seal. He's like, oh, eight stars. And it's like, no, dude. No. no. I'm actually uh, happy it happened. It doesn't happen in much as much in AEW as you might think it does. So mm-hmm. I'm really happy about that. Like other promotions, it can be bad, but like you maybe see that like once or twice a month in AEW. You don't see it all that often, and I'm I'm like like you said, it could definitely happen a lot more, and I'm I'm so grateful because. That's a company that there are excesses that they don't trim that I feel like they should. Like, But the fact that they trim that makes me very – Arn's not there anymore, but somebody in the back's like hearing him talking be like, no, don't do that. Don't you dare do that. I actually think their excesses are not the excesses people accuse them of having or – um, people thought they would have. Like, I actually think their excesses get too far into the violence – category mm, that's fair people have brought that out there they can sometimes stray too much into the like the blood and guts yeah mox <sighs> you don't have you don't have to bleed all the time dude uh well yeah mox just like he breathed on him he just busts open. i'm still gonna no, say he doesn't that. bust open he bleed you, you're like hey, how you doing blade I'm, st- I'm gonna say I'm not a huge blood and guts yeah, guy, but I, I told you, kid, just, just get a little bit of color, little cute, little cute. <laughs> well, have you have you heard Cornette talk about that one? No, I tried to yeah. avoid Cornette. All so possible. so when it's Dusty said that, so when Dusty said that, so he was supposed to get color, and he cut himself once, nothing came out. So he did it again, nothing happened. He did it a third time, and then he just started gushing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was um, the the old Mid- Midnight Express versus the new Minute Midnight Express storyline, and he's like cut nothing, cut nothing, cut, and then he started to go <laughs> like trying to force it, and he looks at one of them, he's like, "Is it good? Are brains coming out yet?" And he was wearing the white jacket. <laughs> I'm starting curtain and dusty like, "Thumb, we're on TBS. I think you need a little youth, just a little." <laughs> he's got the yeah. blood all the way down. <laughs> it's a there's a funny story where he um. He was talking about doing promos and he did, said something about the challenger and he said, everything stopped. And Dusty's like, we don't talk. We're not doing jokes about the challenger and then like yeah. do it again. Yeah. That, I mean, Dusty had decorum too. Yeah. But to, it's, uh, um, but that was always, that's a, that's a popular trope. If you don't watch old wrestling, um, if you watch something like Memphis or an old school Southern promotion and someone comes out in a white shirt for a promo, they're about to bleed like a stuffed oh, yeah. egg. Yeah. That's still yeah. kind of like a trope that exists in the modern day. It's like anytime, especially anytime like you see a face with like, oh, well, back of the, well, I mean, it has its issues, but it's like when, when Punk and MJF like that, like they're, like, dude, I think Punk had like a white shirt on. It's like, oh boy, you know yeah. what's going to happen here. Yeah. Um, 
to to answer AEW excess, what I call the AEW excess is you don't need giant false finishes. Okay, don't don't give me that. For God's sake, it, you know you're you're doing a ten minute dynamite match. I don't need the false finish where the you hit the move and the guy kicks out and you roll over and your eyes are all big and you're like, oh no, what do I? It's like, dude, you never win off of that. Don't don't give me that kind of reaction. Come on, that's, you know it, that's that's a terrible one in modern wrestling. Yeah, yeah, it's like <clears throat> I tried when I was wrestling and if I hit a move and go for a pin and the guy kicks out. I wouldn't sit there and go, oh, no, I'd be like, you know, I'd like hit the mat or something. I'd be like, Damn it. I would hope that would get it. You know, but I'm not just like, oh, and I don't 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 for God's sake, guys, quit hitting your finish every match and having someone kick out of it. Stop doing that. No, like, have guys get in the ropes. Do you like that one we saw at Royal Rumble where where Barbarian hit his shoulder block on Boss Man, but Boss Man was too close to the ropes. Do stuff like that. Just like I like the way I'll give you some examples. I like the way that Jungle Boy snare trap is protected. I like the way, you know, the one winged angel is protected. The buckshot mm-hmm. lariat is protected. Um, even the orange punch is protected because <clears throat> lots of times Cassidy will hit the orange punch, but the guy's out of position or you can't pin him with it. Or it's a move that you can dodge without undervaluing it. Because if you get out of the way, and don't get hit with it, then it doesn't devalue it. It's just that it didn't land. Like, I, that's great. But I don't need – I don't know. Now I can't think of think of stuff off the top of my head now that I'm talking about it. But the number of people who are just like, you know, oh, I took this guy's finish and now I'm out, you know, I'm back up. And it's like, no, 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 no. If you're going to do that, you do that on the pay-per-views. You do not. You do not just do this on weekly TV. Come I, on. I feel like Kenny Omega and the way he approaches the one winged angel should be like industry standard. Tease the finish, but. And, and the match story can be like, oh, he got hurt or the guy's really big, like, and he's going for it, but he can't get it until he gets it. Like, like the, um, the all out match with Christian where like, that was the story of the match until Christian fucked up and he hit it and won. Like mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like people should do that, not finish your spam. That, that's the one thing. Like when they when they do when they did like Lesnar and Roman last year, it's like, oh, great. Like Superman punches and like F5s everywhere. Oh, yeah, that's AEW is not immune to it. They just do it on a very regular basis. Yeah. Um, For an example, when I was working and using the ankle lock as a finish. I would have spots in the match where I would go to grab the ankle lock, but the idea was not, oh, he got out of it. It's I went for it and I didn't get it cinched in fast enough or the guy was too close to the ropes or or kicked me off or whatever, because then that's teasing. I'm always looking to get that on you. And the other guy has reason to be worried about it. But, you know, whenever I got it, then I got it. And that was it. Like that was the, that was what I would try and do with that spot. But it's not just like, I've got him in the ankle lock. I've got it cinched. I drop down. I wrap my legs around it. And he gets out. Like yeah. that. Uh, no. You know what match we were really tickled by how they handled like a big move was um the Surrey Tommy match where she kept going for that arm bar and it kept getting more and more dire for Tommy every time she like <laughs> locked it in. Mm-hmm. 
to the point where there were points where she was just flailing for the ropes, hoping to like catch any part of her body on it. Yeah. Like that's that's where one place where I think Joshi really does it well and Stardom does is like they protect finishers, but there's also like a progression, like where things get more and more deadly as the match progresses. I I, I follow you. So let's um let's hit your let's see what do you, what do you want to do for your next one here? Matt, do you want to pick one or do you want Brad to pick one? Uh, you can go. Uh, let's do. Let's do this one since we just had one of these pointless gimmick matches. Oh, God. Why would you have a gimmick match if this doesn't end the feud? The point of a gimmick match is to end the feud. It's because it plays into what it is. Either this guy keeps running away from the other guy, and therefore we're going to have a cage match so he can't get away, or... In the same vein, people keep inter- – or you do that with a lumberjack match, or people keep interfering, so you have a cage match, keep people out. Or in the last gimmick match I was in, you guys keep going at each other, so we're going to strap you together with a chain, and you guys are going to have a chain. Like A gimmick match is supposed to have a purpose. It's supposed to have a point in the payoff, and if you have a gimmick match and the feud keeps going, then why the hell did you have a gimmick match? Now, can I ask you a question about – a, a feud that happened that I thought was a good feud and like was an interesting take on gimmick matches. Go for it. Okay, so Colt Cabana and Adam Pierce, back around 2012, I think. Okay. So they had they'd had a really long feud over the NWA title. So they did something which was seven stages of hell, which was we hate each other so much that we are going to have this series of matches with increasingly more violent gimmick matches just to end this once and for all and prove who's the better man. I haven't seen it, so it's hard for me to pass judgment. But it, it, I mean, they they built to it, like they had gimmick matches to end the feud. But I don't know. It actually, I don't think it ever ended because I think the NWA like freaked the fuck out and like ruined ruined it because <laughs> they always do. See, that's the, there's another reason why you need to just have just have one, just have pick the gimmick match that's most appropriate or is the specialty of one of the guys, you know, Terry Funk's bull rope match or Ron White, Ron Wright's chain match or something like that. Something like that. How about this one from Memphis? So it was, um, it was Lawler and Bill Dundee. So Bill Dundee loses in a regular match. He comes back like, well, I'm going to put my hair on the line. So he loses that and he loses his hair. And it's like, okay, okay, well, I'm going to put my wife's hair on the line this time. And then he loses his wife's hair. And then he comes back like, okay, I'm going to put my car on the line. And then he's still lost. Like, what about, like, what about goofy shit like that where you're just like. If it, okay, if you're being silly with it, I'll give you more leeway. Now, but. um, I think that's something, though, I I wish they would do more is like (laughs) when a face loses clean and they come back and want a rematch. I hate when they just get it. Like, I feel like I feel like we're if the this kind of goes with the needless gimmick match, the pointless gimmick match in my my (laughs) eyes. Like if you lose clean to the heel (laughs) or the face like and you want to come back and get a rematch right away. Like, I feel like that's the point in story where you need to be wetting the champion's whistle. Like you need to be putting that mask up, that hair up, that money up or that career up. If you really (laughs) want that that rematch. 
Yes. What that creates, though, is that it's really hard to because there are lots of places that like to do that way too often. And so what do you <clears throat> what do you do with it? If if the. If you have a match and the heel wins and it's dirty, I feel like that it would make sense that the face petitions the championship committee or the president or whoever, whoever your authority figure is, and says, you see what happened. I know what happened. You saw what happened. <clears throat> I want an opportunity to do this straight. Therefore, I want X match. I want I want the, the lumberjack match so he can't run away. I want the cage match so his buddies can't get involved. I want, you know, that sort of stuff. <clears throat> I know I already use those as examples, but it's easy to go to. I want I want that sort of thing. And like then that way you can have a reason for the gimmick match. Like there is a reason to have it. You don't have a gimmick match because, well, this is the uh, Hell in a Cell pay per view. We better have a Hell in a Cell. Uh, what do we have that could be a good Hell in a Cell? It's like, no, 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 no. Hell in a Cell used to be like the the nastiest of the nasty gimmick matches in that company, and then she's like, no, we have one every year. And it's like, well, then the special's gone. They're, they're well, had it's to even be a worse reason. now that they're like, well, we have to have a men's cell and a women's cell. <clears throat> it, it is the the event dictating that you have that match instead of the storyline. And so I know I'm going to go way back, but you, you go to the late 90s, early 2000s, all of the pay-per-views were generic name, no mercy, backlash, you know, that sort of – but why? Because then you weren't – married to a particular thing happening off you don't you didn't have to have an elimination chamber match because well the event's called elimination chamber we gotta have an eliminate no 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 like aew's very good about that because they've got their four big shows in a year and then they've got their other like bigger shows peppered through but you don't have to have a certain gimmick match there. I mean, they've only had what, like two or three cage matches in the entirety of the company's Some, history. Something like that. All right, Cause I can think of bucks, bucks, bucks Lucha Lucha brothers, Brit thunder. They didn't, wasn't a, wasn't jungle boy, Luchasaurus in a cage. Oh, was it? I'm pretty uh, sure it was. Yes. Yes, it was. You're right. Cause but, jungle boy cross bodied Lucha, Luchasaurus from the top. Uh, back in the day, Kate, uh, uh, Cody versus Wardlow was in a cage. Yeah, okay, yeah right. Yeah. You're right. The, yeah. They're the War Games match thing that we're not allowed to call it War Games. Uh, the two or three they've had, like those, have obviously been in cages. Like they've yeah. been cages for a bit. Just it's they don't overuse them like the WWE or other people do. It's like, yeah, you know, the thing that I hate. If you're talking about like pointless game matches, the thing that I I personally dislike i this is not gonna be one of my pet peeves down the line i'm just noting it because it's it's kind of tangentially related it's like i don't like the shoehorned gimmick match it's like oh well it's november gotta have a war games match it's like yeah. no yeah. no you don't yeah. you don't have to have a war games match like no. if the thing i do like about aew is that they've done like the war game stuff infrequently and obviously it's like of what they call it, blood and guts. Like they, they, they 
when the storyline leads to it, they have it, but it's not like, oh, it's let me look at the calendar. Oh, it's May. Got to have that War Games match. It's like, no, like it, it, it'll happen in May. That's what the storylines lead up to. But it's not like for sure going to be then. It's not like, oh, it's pencil in. Got to have this. We have a paper yeah. coming up. Yeah. It's like, no, like it's something that like it happens if it happens when it happens. Like and I know like online the the push from a lot of people like that talk about AEW that I've seen. I, I, they're pushing for it to be the, the next blood and guts war games match be all women like women versus women like the and they were suggesting like the it basically be uh like soraya and her people like the people who are coming from other promotions aka like wwe yeah. against the the AE, aew originals they don't have uh, enough and, women to even <clears throat> make that interesting uh, well, people have suggested like people and it's like, I don't know that that would work, but I, I can see like the idea that people are, are banding about. It's intriguing. It like I'm not draw. saying you go with, well, it, it, I think it'd be fine if you like put it on like a, just a dynamite show. Yeah. But I, I, I don't, I don't know. I like their, their women's stuff that has gone over well has been built like really well and organically like Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa. Mm. Um, stuff like that but i don't i mean, I mean i'm not trying to poo poo on it but like there's a lot of people online um that are hyper obsessed with women's wrestling and are not realistic about how some of their ideas would go over mm-hmm. i just pointed out it's like i i don't like when stuff's shoehorned and even back in the day like even though i i really it, it had a lot of like affection for the promotion like even back in the day like wcw did that stuff yeah it's like oh september fall brawl let's do let's do a war games match it's like uh, you know if you're you're doing it that way it's like oh september that's war games it's like well uh, then you're forcing it and it's like i don't know that this is like well built that's where you had like back at the like at the very end of wcw you get like basically the nwo b team against like some some WCW guys and it's like, <laughs> okay, well I'm not really interested in all this. I don't need Stevie Ray yeah. in a main, yeah. like oh. war games main event. No offense, I like him. Fruit booty. <laughs> yeah. The thing I was gonna say is Suckers Gots to know. Suckers mm-hmm. Gots to know, but the if if you want the ultimate example, the ultimate example, it's not even the the like name paper you means to have the mat you have to have the match on it. It is what in my head is labeled as the Judy Bagwell on a pole matches. Mm. Oh, yeah. When Vince Russo had every blessed match be a gimmick item on a pole because he couldn't think of what else to do about it. It's like, why, why, why in the shit was there a Viagra on a pole match? There was no point for that. There was no reason for that. It wasn't funny it didn't help anything you know it's a pointless gimmick match why we're we're doing this shane douglas can't get it up we're gonna have a viagra on a pole match what the the hell are you doing you know the also also um kind of matches with guys that you would never want to see in that match Foley would say himself that he's not good in cage matches, so he didn't want to be in cage matches. Um, there are some guys who are like who can look at a kind of match and go, "Yeah, don't put me in that." But I'm talking this, about it's like it's not going to go well. 
you see it sometimes but like doing a submission match and neither guy has like a submission finisher really does that many submission moves it's like why yeah why would you do that yeah or or um like when money in the bank's gotten really bad about this some years like putting a bunch of big guys in money in the bank that aren't agile very very rarely do any of them actually climb the ladder yeah like between what brock and kane those are the big guys i can think of winning ladder matches yeah i mean like AEW put a bunch of big guys in their in their thing at revolution but that worked because they they had a bunch of big guys well i mean they killed orange cassidy but um yeah that's true um they but they had you know their guys could actually move but like i hate when they do stuff like that yeah it, it where it doesn't fit your your submission for guys who don't have submission finishes yeah absolutely that that makes sense it it's like there was what they put john cena in a submission submission match at one point and he just suddenly starts using the stf and it's like gee i wonder what's gonna happen now i mean like you can get around that like if you give enough lead time and it's like it's like oh like the face you know the face doesn't know um doesn't you know really know what he holds and then like you know halfway through you're like hey guess who's training me and like it's bob backland and you start doing like the chicken wing and you know backland comes out for your matches and stuff like you can get away with it like storytelling like that but they never do that yeah 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 if you're doing a build like we're gonna have like the heel picks the stipulation we're gonna have a submission match and the face is like Oh crap! I don't have, and then he goes for training for it. Like that makes sense to me. Like cool, we're building a story that way. It's not pointless because there's an arc and there's a conclusion at the arc. I get that. Okay, like that's not pointless. You are you are using it as part of the story, but when you're just like, oh, this feud's going on, people are getting bored. Let's have a gimmick match, and then we'll finish it up after that. It's like no. No, 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 no. Gimmick matches should be at the end. Like, if you if you want to see, just to go with what Chad's saying, if you want to see the gold standard of how you should use a gimmick match, go watch the build to um, Final Conflict with Slaughter and Cronodal versus Steamboat and Youngblood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you, if you see why a, a cage match was necessary. Yeah. Yeah. I want to watch oh. that again, actually. That, God damn, that was so good. <laughs> was really really good let's see so we got we got another one here um pointlessly stiff and reckless spots oh god i hate that shit here here give you a great low key there that's a great because that's all he does (laughs) seriously (laughs) You could just send the rest of the, the, the show tonight talking about <laughs> Loki. Yeah, pretty much. It's... Now, with, with the, the needlessly stiff spots where I've always said, like, I am fine if someone wants to be stiff, if they are fine with you giving it back to them. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's Vader and you know Vader's going to stiff the shit out of you, but stiff, you know, but if you come back at him just as hard and he's going to be like, hell yeah, man. Like, oh. I think that's fine. Or there was a case where Vader was getting stiff with someone because he was still in the Japan mindset, and the guy – it happened with D'Lo Brown. He's got him in the corner. He starts rocking him with those forearms, and D'Lo just comes with this big overhand right and pops him in the face. And Vader was like, right, hit the brakes. Like, let's don't get – like, yes, if you're like, hey, you know, we're going stiff tonight. It's like, yep, 
we sure are. That's what we're going to do. Okay, that's fine. I, I get that, okay? I think they said you had to watch if Austin and, like, um, Big Boss Man got a little too rambunctious. They would, like, knock the crap out of you. I was just watching Steve Austin on Hot Ones the other night, and he was telling a story about Boss Man getting loose on him. And he shot Boss Man off and then lifted his arm and, and, and like, bent his arm into the elbow and clocked Boss Man between the eyes with the point of his elbow when Boss Man was coming off the ropes. And Boss Man's laying on the mat seeing Tweety Birds. And then Austin, like, turns and looks down at him and, like, you know, shoots in the bird. And Trailer looks up at him and grins and goes, yeah, I got it. Okay. Like, <laughs> I get that. But there is no point. Okay. Who, um... Our friend Justin, Justin, you're getting another shout out, hmm. put in one of our group chats just just yesterday that dumbass balcony spot where the one woman slid off of it. And oh, I was like, I was going to mention that. But, yeah. Oh, God, I haven't watched that yet. Is it really is it is it as bad as it's, like the ones that they just it's, miss? It's so dumb, in my opinion. It's so dumb. Go ahead, Matt. Go. It's uh, let, let me actually look to see if I can figure out who the workers involved was. Uh, are they nobodies or are they people that should know better? Uh, yes. So, uh, okay, I don't, I forget, I don't know the name of the worker, but I'm pretty sure it's like a worker that has showed up in like Tokyo Joshi Pro. Uh, oh, Rio, R H I O, uh, who's a, a UK wrestler. Um, it, but and she was, I guess, going up against Molly Spartan. Anyway, uh, I, I'm not even sure what oh, was the show. I just watched that. Yeah, yeah it's like she's at a ball. A, Is she dead? No, uh, uh, Molly Spartan it, it basically is uh, the aggressor in this, and she has Rio, and she's Rio is perched on a balcony, and I want to say the balcony, the balcony is above the ring. It's probably at least a good 20, 25 feet mm-hmm. up, and. She like makes like she put it I, the way that Rio fell, I'm sure was somewhat controlled. And then like she falls and, you know, hits air quotes her head on the ring apron. Again, it seemed very controlled, like she was guiding herself. Or, but it's such a dumb spot. It's like you're falling from a ridiculously great height. I presume you're you're slowing things down by landing on your feet really. And it's like, that's a blow your knees out. Yeah. That's a way to blow out your knees and like be done like forever. Yeah. Like I, why would anyone take this spot even like for like an internet moment? It's like, I I don't know what you're thinking. Uh, You know what? It's looking at this, this flashback. This is from like the last couple of years. Uh, Do you guys, do you guys see the spot? It's like a, it's like an indie show. It's like a dude like crawled the road, like got on top of like the ropes at least like the second rope. Yeah. And this is before the match. He's like doing a pose, like yeah, like, and then he like does the whole like jumping, tw- twisting in the midair to land on the mat. Okay, it's a spot you've seen like guys do a hundred thousand times before. It's just like you know to add a little flair, you know, to your your entrance. You're excited for your match. Oh, okay. Like that. Oh God, that one. Oh. Yeah. And, Are we talking about like, Grasshopper Man? I don't yes, know. Oh, yes, 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 it's like that one. Said, I don't know who it is. The guy had a, a, like had to get a like, GoFundMe afterwards because he lands and his knees just bend the complete opposite way. 
Yes. And it looked – it's one of the worst things I've seen. I mean, I've, I've seen the Sid leg break. It's just like it, joint injuries just skeeve me out. It's like, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. like, oh, um, uh, and he had to get he had to get like a GoFundMe because it's like the dude may had I don't know what happened to him. I don't know what happened after that. But it's like at one point they're talking about, like, oh, we may have to have his legs amputated because it's like so bad. It's like, Jesus. Yeah. So, yeah. Why would you do something? like just, this? Yeah. And OK, here, a blanket statement. Piece of advice. I'm, I'm sure nobody will listen to it, but just piece of advice from a guy who used to do Quit doing balcony shit. Or, Nothing good comes from balcony shit. Someone that way, made way too much money and has too much of a name now to be doing that shit just posted that he like broke a vertebrae doing dumb shit like that is Marco's stunt. Yeah. Oh my god. And it, wait, was it Marco stunt or was it Joey Janela? No, it was Marco stunt. Okay, yeah, like he has a. a t- like a rotated vertebrae or something. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. Joe, Joey Janela did a vertebrae. Joey Janela does dumb right? shit, but Joey Janela tends to not do like dumb shit like that. I'm just saying, <clears throat> don't do that. Look, part of the reason that I dislike deathmatch wrestling so much is because, first of all, it's never enough. Okay. The more you do that, the more people are going to want. The worse it's going to get, and there are too many no-talent, dumbass hacks that are out there that are going to see this on YouTube and decide, oh, I need to do that. And they don't – first of all, it's a stupid thing to do in the first place, and then second of all, they don't know what they're doing, so nothing about this is going to turn out well. And then third, I mean for God's sake, there's – it cannot be worth the 50 bucks you're getting paid that night. Like there's no way. And, um, oh God, that, that train wreck of an Ian Rotten show where one of the guys had hepatitis and got hit with light tubes and oh, man, they, blood all working, over the whole crowd. If they're working an Ian Rotten show, they ain't getting 50 bucks, man. No, they ain't. But you know, they sprayed hepatitis positive blood all over the crowd. Like, first of all, quit doing stuff. Stupidly it, dangerous shit. Was it Second, hepatitis blood or was it HIV blood? I don't remember. No, it was hepatitis. Okay. I, I knew it was... Some... It was it was hep C. Okay. Um, and then... You don't... Look, the point... Part of the point of wrestling is we're going to put on a good show and we're going to do a good job so we can do it again. Stiffing the living shit out of each other means that you're less likely to be able to do it again. Just because you can hit somebody really hard and they're trusting you doesn't mean that you should. And for – oh, God. That's why part of why I hate Loki so bad is there is no reason for him to just full bore kick somebody in the face. What There's about no um, reason. What about that fuckface Hannibal TV that assaulted that ref in Texas so bad that I think that guy can't ref anymore? You mean that guy that fled to Canada so he wouldn't get arrested for aggravated assault? Yes, that would be known as a piece of shit. No, I have nothing good to say about that guy. There's no, like, there was a, a video about Al Snow talking about the wrestling punch that I was going to watch, and then I looked and it was on Hannibal TV, and I was like, never watching that. Never mind. That can just go. That can go to the pits of it's hell. It's funny because his dumb gimmick is like the Blood Hunter or something. It just makes me think of Aqua Teen Hunger Force because it's like 
he get when um, Master Shake gave that guy like Blood Feast Island Man, and he's like because mm-hmm. Blood Feast Island Man does lust for blood. Yeah. Is that the onion? Was that the uh, onion guy? I I don't remember. That had like the bodies in the attic. I I honest to God can't remember. I think that was blood. Yeah, but that's what it makes me think of. Like just ugh. But I hate him. There's yeah no no the the guy is the guy is a danger to him and those around him and he should have lost his YouTube channel over that. He should have lost his freedom over that. Well, That's yeah. but in in any event. You don't just turn around and, and stiff people for no reason. Don't do that. If one gets away from you, take your receipt and apologize. Be like, sorry, man, that got away from me. And the guy's like, receipt, whack, there you go. All right. Got that. Like, there have been times whenever, you know, I I, I was throwing jabs, and one of them, for some reason, the guy just turned at the wrong time. Like, I'm jabbing him in the cheekbone, and he turned at the wrong time, and then all of a sudden, I just rocked him right in the eye or something. And I was like... I take him to the court. I'm like, dude, I'm sorry about that. You need to give me a job or anything. The guy's like, no, 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 no. Don't worry about it. You know, there are times when it's just a mistake or there are times when it's like, okay, receipt. But, you know, you don't, you don't walk out. We're having a match. And then all of a sudden you turn around and punch the guy on the jaw. Don't, don't be that asshole because then no one's going to want to work with you. No one's impressed by you. The only people who are impressed by you are the people who really don't get it. Be that asshole. Come on. Now, what if what if you go out there like beforehand and the guy's like, "Look, I want to work stiff. Like, just lay lay the shit in." Like, if you um, look at him and go, "Look, man," I, you could say, "Sure, let's lay it in," or you could look at him and go, "Dude, I'm a light hand. That's not that's not what I do." So now, if the guy was fine with that either way, like if you're fine, like yeah, let's go for it, or they're like, "Oh, that's cool. Like we can we can we can go that route." Like, so. I guess, what you have is an agreement there. Yeah. You're like, we know what we're going into. But if you just turn around and cold cock the guy, could be like, you know, I'm I'm Johnny McBadass, and I cold cock people in the middle of matches so that they stumble around like something's wrong, and I look good. It's like someone's going to whip your ass. My favorite uh, from back in the day is that people understood that Stan Hansen would be stiff as hell with him, mm-hmm. but not because he was trying to be a dick. Because he was blind as a bat. <laughs> he was like, oh, yeah, Stan will potato the shit out of you because he can't see you. I, yeah. <laughs> I read a book where they asked a bunch of wrestlers, like, so what did you think about Stan Hansen being stiff? And, like, almost every one of them was like, well, you know, he couldn't see where shit, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a story. Yeah. It's like, well, that actually makes sense. <laughs> yeah. It's he's in Foley's first dick. book. Yeah, he's not trying to be a dick. He's just trying to be like, I can't see you. Look, I'm just was, throwing punches, guys. Was that – um? Was that was that Foley's book where it was like Terry Funk or someone told something like just go ahead and punch me because your working punches are killing me. I think he I think Tommy Kramer said that to him. Oh, oh okay. that that is my favorite. Wait, that no. is my oh jeez, oh, Stan, why don't you just punch me in the face? That is my that is my favorite Foley story though. Is the first time he works Funk, he's like, here comes the legendary Funk punch. It's like you punched me. It's like oh shit, you thought I was good. <laughs> Um, oh, damn, Cactus. I'm, I, I'm trying to remember who it was. Just hit me for real because your working punches are killing me. I can't remember who that was, but <clears throat> it was Foley trying. I, I mixed that up because Foley was trying to hard way Tommy Dreamer 
and it kept missing. And Tommy Dreamer's got bruises all over his face and his forehead. And Dreamer looks at him and goes, please stop hitting me. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a good Diamond Dallas Page story where he um he was working with, with Scott and he was supposed to blade. And they're doing their thing. He's like, Scott, he's like, I lost the blade. And Scott, you know, Scott Snyder's like, oh, man, like, really? He's like, yeah, he's going to have to bust me with the belt. Oh, with Scott Steiner. Wow. Well, he said he said it wasn't that bad because what Scott did is get him with like one of the bolts. I'm just saying that's a lot with the 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 friction that those two had. That's uh. They said Scott would just had this disappointment, like, oh no, like really? Yeah. <laughs> that's gotta suck though. You yeah. Because you think like the rest would keep like an extra or something. Well, some of them do. Sometimes you can see the handoff and stuff, but. I don't know. Or you just carry Von Eric and like do it on your finger and scratch yourself and cut yourself like from stem to stern. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The um, there was a bullpen interview I listened to years and years ago. He said, "I never trust somebody if they put the blade in their in their finger tape because they're not going to do it right." I never trust somebody who does that. But yeah, just don't. Don't do that, for God's sake! It, it, you're un, you're an unprofessional dick for doing that sort of thing. There you go. I don't know why you'd want it in your finger. That just seems like asking for trouble. Like I'd want it in my my wrist, like tape or whatever, or like. You, you guys have seen the movie The Wrestler, right? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a great movie. Yeah, it it's it's good. It, I can't watch it again. It's it's too real. But the, you know when he he hides it. He's got his wrist taped up, and he, he tapes over it in his wrist tape and then gets it out later. It's like, yeah, that's – I mean, where else, what else would you do with it? I don't know that I'd put it on the inside of my wrist, but, you know, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Anyway. At least it can't cut you there. So let's move yeah. on. So um, this is one I actually suggested to Shad. Two of these are ones I suggested to Shad. Um, mm-hmm. Lazy hold working. So this is this is um this is this so what what we're talking about here is like when someone put like when they dead fish when they're doing mat work. The Randy Orton chin lock. Yeah. So if you want a good example of like not lazy mat work that we've watched, um the Mike Quackenbush for Eddie Kingston Chikara match, where Mike's doing a lot of mat work but Mike changes it up every couple of minutes. Like he gives here- you a visual refresh. Who was the the Roddy Piper headlock match? Who was that against? Uh, Jack Briscoe. Okay. That whole match was basically predicated on the fact that Piper couldn't get out of a headlock. Guess what? It was an engaging match. Briscoe's got str- him in a headlock for well, like 80% of the match. But they're like struggling it, and like jockeying for position and stuff. Yes, exactly. You know, it's – we, by and large, we're all pretty positive on Luger. But one thing that Luger did that would always frustrate me is when Flair would put him in the figure four, Luger would be laying there shaking his head like he's trying not to go to sleep. It's like, no, 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 dude, come on. Don't be like that. But, you know, do something. You know, if you're in the figure four, be twisting at it. Be reaching down towards your legs. Be like trying to push yourself. Don't just be like, oh, it hurts. It hurt. You know. If someone slaps a chin lock on you and you're both just laying there, that better be because you're trying to figure out where to go from there because you got lost. Or if you're in the if you're in an arm bar, like try and like grab your other arm to like 
take yeah, the pressure off. That that was so. When I started working, one thing that that happened that I saw happen a lot is they're teaching guys how to do an arm ringer. You just you go out of the you go out of the the lockup and you take the arm. You do the arm ringer, right? And guys would just be like, "Oh, there goes my arm now. I'm bent over." And I'd be like, "Why do you? No. You just you look like a dumbass for that." And this will feed into something later. One of the things I liked to do was whenever someone got that and started twisting me, I'd try and fight it on the way down. I'm not going to stop you from doing it, but I'm trying to stop you, trying to stop you, trying to st- – and then you got it, and I'm bent over, and I'm bent over. And I, sorry, excuse me. Put my hand on my face, and I reach down, and I put the hand on the mat because I don't want to fall over and go all the way to the mat. And I reach – I start reaching for the ropes, trying to gauge how far away they are and that sort of stuff. I'm like, yeah, I'm in, I'm in, an, I'm in an arm bar. But I don't just need to be like bent over going, oh, my arm. Oh, oh, gosh. No, I don't give up. And just the same way, if I've got, you know, a chin lock on you or I've got a headlock on you or something like that, we're not just sitting there doing that. Because you, if you've wrestled with your buddies and that one guy tried to put a sleeper on you and then just puts it on there and doesn't do anything with it, all he's doing is giving you a rest. Everybody knows that. For God's sake, when you put that headlock on him, tuck one arm into the elbow of the other arm and then work that other arm like you're flexing your bicep so that at least there's some movement or something. Don't just be like, oh, I've got you in a chin lock. Or, um, oh, gosh. We, we watched, again, we're going to go to stardom, but the the Suri Utami and the Starlight Kid um, Azumi matches we watched last year mm-hmm. had excellent mat work that wasn't lazy. Yeah. Just... If you're just laying there with a hold on and not doing anything, then it's it's boring. It looks boring because you're not doing anything. But like why? Like um, Tommy did that once and I was really struck by the novelty of it, like where she was in a really bad way and thought she was close to the ropes. And she just starts kicking her legs everywhere, just trying to catch like a piece of rope because she's desperate. Like, why don't more people do that? Okay, I'm going to go way back. All right, way, way back. Are you ready for this one? Way back in the day. What was it? It was, um, who was the guy that had the feud with George Hackenschmidt? Do you remember, Brad? Oh, Frank Gotch. Yeah, okay, Gotch and Hackenschmidt. One of them was was all about the sleeper, and one of them was all about, like, the leg scissors, I think. Something like that. There is no, we don't have video footage of it, but there is no way in hell that all that was, was one of them gets him in the other one and they just lay there and the guy's like, no, I've got to endure until his legs get tired. It's like, there is no way that I will believe that they're, you know, it's like, no, no, I've got the leg scissors on. Now I've got to get you to give up. And the guy's like, I'm not giving up. You know, he's like fighting. There's no way that a building full of people stood there and watched two guys lay in the ring like they were reading the paper. And that's, you know, that's 120 years old at this point. Do something. There needs to be a purpose behind what you're doing. You're trying to choke the life out of them with that rear chin lock. You don't just put it on and lay there. Do something with it. Crank on it. Move your body around. Twist a little bit. You know, lift, kick your feet up in the air and come back down on the mat to make it look like you're trying to, you know, shake the other guy's eardrums out. Do something. Or even, like, move your legs like you're trying to take their leg out from under them to get out of it. Like, if you're in, like, a sleeper in a certain yeah certain way. It, 
one thing that I liked to do was I would tease a cobra clutch sometimes. And in the in the process of me teasing it, like I've got the arm hooked under and I've got to hold the other guy's arm, in the process of me trying to get on it, I would like stumble us backwards around in circles in the ring with me like moving them try, like I'm trying to pull it in. I'm not just standing there being like, oh, am I going to get to cut? Like do this stuff. Move with it. Because then there's questions like, oh, can he do it? They're moving around so much. And, you know, most of the time I'd have the guy just back me into the corner so he could break it. But we're we're doing something with it. You know, what Chris Masters for or Chris Adonis now, whatever. Mm-hmm. When he would do, you know, the the master lock, a full Nelson, he wouldn't just have the full Nelson. He'd pick you up and swing you back and forth. That's a good thing. Like lots of criticism came through for the guy, and I get it, but he knew how to do his hold. John Cena slaps it on there, and just you can see daylight between his arms and the guy's chin, and he goes ah. And they're just laying there. I generally kind of like John Cena, but his STF is lacking. Very lacking. Or even like, He's, even like have to readjust. We're like, eh, they're getting a little too close to the ropes. Let's let's drag you a little deeper yeah. into the ring. Drag them or like roll over, take them with you, something like that. Or, hey, like, eh, they're getting a little too lively. Like, I'm going to turn that leg lock into, like, an STF. Yeah, do something with it. Just, Matt, you've been quiet. I'm sorry. Am I ranting too much? Uh, no, no, you can uh, continue. I'm just, like, taking it all in. <laughs> I, 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 I do agree with a lot of your points. It's just frustrating, man. If Like, I think a good rule of thumb is if you're working, if you're working holds, like, you should never keep the same visual for the crowd for more than, like, a minute. If you're working a hold, then you should be moving at least some. Or cranking it in more. I yeah. feel like I feel like the worst is like Randy Orton. Oh yeah. Um, I this is a. I think I've talked about this in the podcast. Like, it kind of goes with the whole like, oh, if you're doing a wrestle, you should like do something to make it more compelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the day, it was uh, God, it was like '93 maybe. It was back when uh, when it was like Tony Schiavone and, and uh, Jesse Ventura was doing commentary, and uh, it was Ricky Steamboat I think versus like Paul Orndorff, like the opening match, like the TV title, and okay. and like armbar, uh, Steamboat got like an armbar on on Orton, it was like cranking it, and then he like basically as or he has Orton's arm, he like reaches and he takes like his the Orndorff's fingers and he starts like splitting them apart. Like, yeah. and obviously like the visual, like it looks, looks very painful. I'm sure it was like super controlled where it's like, he just visually is doing it. But he's not really like cranking on it. Yeah. And Jesse has like a fit. It's like, he's, he's splitting that finger Shafati. That's totally illegal. And it's like, it, to me like that, I still remember that from like 30 years ago. Because yeah. it was like, oh, like he actually made this move that was kind of blasé, like compelling. So he's like doing all sorts of stuff with the move. He wasn't being lazy about it. He was like, okay, I'm going to – you want me to do an arm bar? Like you're going to see me in an hour? You think it's like nothing special? Like watch. Watch what I do. And he like mm-hmm. made it seem like way more like intense and violent. And like Orndorff is – you know, he, he knows how to sell it. He's like just 
writhing in pain. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 it's not hard. Just think about it. And it's like, I mean, MJF puts his armbar on. His armbar is super basic because it's supposed to be. But what did he do the last time we saw that with Takeshita? He's got it on there, and he's just – or was it – yeah, he's just cranking that sucker. He's bridging mm-hmm. on it and stuff. You know, do something. So can I ask a question, Shad? Yeah. So when you talk about those lazy vets that just want to work the arm, are they all lazy about it? In a lot of cases, they seem to be. Um, okay, so here. I don't make it a habit of burying people on here, people that I've worked with. But I'm going to use an example right here because this guy has been a shit heel to just a lot of my friends. I had the I had a match with Bo James in my last run. And in the course of the match, he at the beginning, he goes to take the armbar. And I did my thing where I, I fought my way into it and that sort of stuff. And in the back, he tells everybody that I am dangerous in the ring because I didn't go straight into it. And I'm standing there, and I'm, I am mad as hell. But all I can think is I'm going to prove to everybody that I'm above this guy, like that I that this guy is not going to make me break, even if I could have looked at, you know. Yeah, there are lazy veterans who don't actually want to do anything. And here's the other part to it. It's not just that they don't want to do anything. It's that they don't want other people looking better than them. There were a couple of guys in one of the places I worked. These two, you know, they're younger guys and they're thin and, you know, the girls love them and stuff. They were called Team Extreme because they could they could fly. You know, one of them was doing 450s like straight away in the ring. He like the first time he went to training, they're like, okay, what can you do? He just climbed up on the turnbuckle and did a 450 to prove he could do it and said, okay, you can do that. Let's show you how to actually wrestle. It's like, okay. What did these the the two lazy veterans tell him to do? Like we're not doing any of that. The only thing that they did in that whole match was a crossbody. They did a crossbody off the ropes. That's it. Now, they neutered their gimmick. But why? Because and I'm quoting, you don't need to be doing that shit. But like if you're a vet though, like if you don't you just have to lay there and kind of just like let them do their thing and like just foundation for them. Like I don't feel like as a vet like you even have to do that much for those guys. No, 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 you don't understand, Brad, because this guy here is over, and he's more over than I am. So I need to make sure that uh, that he's not getting pops. Well, I know, I know, I know. I had a guy tell me from to that my an- face. I know it from that, that- angle. I'm, I'm more meant like, let's say I'm a vet, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm a little banged up tonight. Like, what do you do? Like this, this, and this. Like, oh, okay, I can do that. That sounds, that sounds you reasonably would, good. You would think they would be professional enough to go, okay, I can work around that. But no, they will tell you, don't be doing that shit. I had a guy tell me to my face, he goes, don't do that karate shit. Nobody knows, you know, nobody wants to see it. Nobody knows what they're doing. I was like, that's funny. I've been doing it for 20 years. People here love it when I do it. He goes, ah, you know, that can't be right. And then he he said, if you throw a kick out there, I'm going to punch you in the face. And after the match, I looked at him and said, I didn't throw a kick out there. But if you ever threaten me again, I'm going to feed you your own foot. And he never he never made eye contact with me again. Um, and if you want if you want verification, we can call up Alex Angel because he was he was there for this shit. Um, 
I guess I just don't know. It's because I feel like if the 450 guys coming in and I was like, he's obviously going to face like, well, okay, so you do that. Like, well, what if I work your leg and we kind of like build up to you? Yeah, it's a tag team match. And what do they do this whole match? They work the arm on one of them. That's that was it. That's just dumb. Like, why would you not work the leg of some of a high flyer? Oh, that's harder to do. Look, I'm going to give you guys. I'm going to give you guys. Uh, here's a little an insight as to part of why I am absolutely not on CM Punk's side in the whole brawl out thing, aside from the fact that I didn't like him. We'll set that aside. There were guys in the back who were like who said, no, he gave me good advice. All right, fine. And then there were guys who were like, no, he told me to quit doing the stuff that I was doing that was over. I've heard that song and dance way too many times. I have seen that sort of thing happen way too often. For me, if if someone says that's what happened, that fits the business as a whole way too well for me to discard it. And it is it is maddening. It's like, oh, no, don't be doing that. Nobody wants to see that. It's like people pop for it. Uh, you, You can't be hearing them or you were doing it with him. He gets people to pop for everything. It's like, you son of a bitch. It's no, that was six months ago and people still pop for it now. Like that's because I built it up. I started it with him. People loved it. I kept doing it. It's built up now. I I guess I just don't. I guess I just don't understand like that mentality. Cause to me, it's like if I was if I was a trained wrestler, I'd just be like, well, I want to do cool shit. Like, you know what because... I mean? Like, there's like a certain level of like professional, um, professional pride. I think I could, that I would take carry over from my real job. It's like, well, I don't want to have a shitty match. I feel like if I met guys, I'd be like, okay, well, what do you, what do you do well? Like, what are you not good at? Like, what do you need me to do to make your stuff look good? Like, well, this is what I do. Like, so. See, that that's the thing is, I had a, I heard a guy speak once who he was telling his story about how he fell into his addiction and part of his recovery, and in his story he was saying he was college, he was a college football star, and he was good. But he also knew how to make himself look good at the cost of everybody else. So he would do stuff that made him look great, but it did not help his team win games. That's what I'm talking is the match sucked. Well, it couldn't have been me. It obviously wasn't me. It must have been that other guy. So now they're going to put themselves above you and they're going to try and take away the stuff that you have that works for you. So that you're not a threat to them anymore. Oh, you know, I've been in this business for – you're always supposed to listen to the veteran. I've been in this business 20 years. You're going to do what I say. It's like, dude, I am like – you know, if if my whole gimmick is built around – you know, if I'm a high-flying gimmick and you're like, no, I'm going to work the arm tonight, is – why? Don't do any of that stuff because I told you not to. It's See, like you, and then you're not actually good at this. That's why you never actually went. You don't hear about this a lot, but you do hear about it. And you have people – you hear stories sometimes that come out where people are, don't be doing that, even at the high levels. And it's like, what the heck? Why, why would I not – everybody that complains about flippy shit, it's like, look, we are in an age where people are doing more and more athletic things. This is just going to – people complained about Lou Fez doing flippy shit. Like, this is going to happen, 
steer into it, but they don't because they don't they can't do it themselves, so they don't want other people doing it and making them look bad. See, I just I don't understand because I feel like if I was a 20 year veteran and I went somewhere and I had a bad match with someone and if they weren't like the drizzling shits and we're, we know what we're talking about there. I feel like if if they were like a couple years in I'd, I'd afterwards, be like, oh, I'm sorry, dude. Like, I totally like I totally failed you there. Like, that's like what my mentality would be towards stuff like that. But I guess that's when you're like secure in your. Think of indie wrestling on the local level as community theater instead of, of you know, wrestling. There are some people who are convinced they are so good because they've been around and done this for so long, and they get mad and jealous when someone comes along and have a gift for it. I like, just, but for me though, like let's say, so let's say you're a 20 year vet and you're still doing community theater, um, and I don't mean this to be mean or anything, but if you're still doing community theater after 20 years and it's not because it's just not what you did that you're just content doing that, like how good could you possibly be? I mean. You could just be like, no, I'm happy doing this. I yeah. don't want to travel. I don't want to do show business. That's fine. It's you know your what? it's your weekend hobby. Like I'm good at it, but you know, like what Brian Alvarez does. It's like, well, like no, this is just my this is my this is what I do on my Saturdays because this is what I have fun doing. Like that's yeah. different than than trying like trying to like move up or thinking you should move up. Yeah, there are some people who I have met who absolutely should have moved up. Here, I'll give a plug. John Noble was one of those guys who um if he if he was trying to get in today he'd be he'd be golden john noble was not a tall dude he was not big so what he did to make up for that because gymnastics were not in his wheelhouse he made sure he was built and he knew the psychology and he knew how to get people involved and he could work the mic and all that kind of stuff and he went and this was in that you know 2000, the aughts era stuff, and he had people at WWE tryouts say, well, you're too small to work big, but you can't work as a, as a flyer, so we don't have any use for you. And it's like, are you kidding me? Wouldn't you kill for somebody who's capable of doing this sort of stuff? And here's the other thing. John Noble was incredibly gracious and helpful, and he liked – I liked working with him, and he liked working with me. Because, you know, I was willing to listen to him, and if he had a silly idea, I was game for silly ideas. We did that stupid, like, the bad guy backs – Bugs Bunny backs into the bad guy thing behind him where he backed into me and then, like, full on from, like, my knees, like, felt all the way up to my face and then took a deep breath and went, oh, no, and then turned around and went, wait a minute. Like, John Noble was great. I just, you know what's dumb about that on WWE standpoint? If that was me talent scouting, I'm like, so you do power stuff pretty well? Like, yeah, like, well, you're in because we'll put you in the cruiserweight division because having a power, a little power guy to, to foil the, the light, you know, the, the cruisers is going to be an interesting novelty. Right? Absolutely should have. But it didn't happen. It never happened. You know, I'm convinced part of what, kept larry d from getting in anywhere for a long time was just he wasn't tall enough but larry d is a freaking refrigerator with arms hmm. and now he's working right and he's he's good but there are some i 
I'm sorry. You, well, I mean, this the point of this whole episode was to get me to start ranting, wasn't yes. it? Well, let's uh, let's, um, <laughs> let's let's dovetail this because we kind of went into this without saying what we're going into. So, closed-minded veterans. So this um this is kind of coming up um because we've talked about some vets that like slag on Kenny Omega and the Bucks. Yeah. And we've kind of talked about like Shad will tell you straight up. Kenny Omega is not my cup of tea. Kenny Omega is probably the greatest of all time. Kenny Omega is is way up there in the hierarchy. He's not going to be my greatest of all time, but I can recognize he's really good. He's just he I don't prefer his style. I don't but, prefer a lot of the way the Bucks work either, but I can look at him and go, no, they're good. Like I'm not I'm not. <laughs> Just because they're not my my thing doesn't mean I can't recognize that they're good. What I mean, I mean they, you still have highly rated matches they've been in. I yes. mean, your match of the year one year was a Bucks match. Bucks versus Lucha Brothers in the cage. It was amazing. And also, I mean, three of them were probably in one of the best tags AEW's done. But the Adam Page Kenny Omega versus Bucks match in like 2020 yeah. or 2021, something like that. Yeah, that's. God, I I know I watched it, but I don't have any recollection of it, and that kills me. But I hate I hate like when certain veterans do that, where they shit on them, and it's obvious they've never like watched their matches, and like act like the Bucks don't sell, and it's like, have you seen <clears throat> the Bucks wrestle? Because um, the Bucks kind of sell. It's it's the same people who say that Orange Cassidy doesn't do anything but have his hands in his pockets. It's like, tell me you've never watched an Orange Cassidy match without telling me you've never watched an Orange Cassidy match. Especially, tell me you've never watched a Young Bucks match without telling me you've never watched a Young Bucks match. Especially since, like, Orange Cassidy's, like, evolved the gimmick and he actually wrestles now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that was part of the point. And the Bucks can go. And well, Kenny can go. And the thing with Orange, though, is Orange rewards you for watching his matches because, like... Like, there's something, like, he'll totally, like, get destroyed by, like, some move Pac will do. And mm-hmm. six months later, they'll have a rematch, and that same move will happen, and that time he'll avoid it. You remember the, um, whenever Wheeler Yuta first joined the Blackpool Combat Club, and, and Orange is on commentary, and Wheeler beats Chuck Taylor with the seatbelt pin? Mm-hmm. And Orange goes, he, he ta- he's sitting there, and he goes, Chuck taught him that move, and he throws the headset down. And then what is it like? Like what was it? Just last month, somebody almost beat one of them. Almost beat Wheeler Yuta with that same pin. Mm-hmm. Like it's like they can do the storytelling stuff, but people get so hung up they can't see past the gimmick. You know, people get mad at Ibushi because, like Brad said, you know he had a good match with a blow up doll. That's the same thing as having a good match with a broom. You're not. It's not saying that you're exposing the business. You're proving how good you are. It's not like it's a secret anymore. And, and Tough it, Enough was 20 years ago. People know. And I'm sorry, but that match with the, the blow-up doll is legitimately... Good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I It strikes me... I remember something that... Because I, I like to listen to our old uh, episodes <laughs> for vanity... For, partly vanity, partly to uh, try and like do things better. Uh, yeah. But I remember like the... the it's quite some time ago, but the episode we did with Duke Allstriker. Yeah. Where he said, like, look, everyone knows that it's fake at this point. Like, we, people know. It's more about, like, doing things to try and get them invested in what you're doing. 
Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's kind of goes to that. It's like people know it's fake. Like Ibushi having a match with a blow up doll is like you're not killing the business. Like people know that the business is not real, quote unquote real. Yeah. It's about what are you doing to make people like suspend their disbelief. And Ibushi in that instance did it by making it actually like this match that oddly was like compelling to watch because it was. Ibushi was just so good in it, like it was kind of well done, that you're like, wow, I can't believe I'm entertained by this a guy wrestling literally like a blow of doll. Yeah. But that's true, and like there, so many times in wrestling, it's like you know it's not real. You know that they're not really going out there and beating the shit out of each other in matches. But it's like there are things that you could do to make people like suspend their disbelief to buy in. It's it's we're doing this on Tuesday, the the last day of February, like the 28th. And it's like the anniversary of, I guess, the Young Bucks, uh, in their in a match with against uh, Kenny Omega and and Hangman Page, and people need to go back and watch that match. Like it's a f- unbelievable match. It, it's one of the best AEW matches. Was that the badass entrance where Page like rode the horse to the ring? Uh, I don't remember that. I don't, I don't remember the intros, but it's it's a absolutely amazing match and it's like the bucks are doing things like the the golden v trigger to kenny omega and he kicks out i think he even kicked out at like one and wow. then they did more stuff to it and like it was this sequence back and forth and it's like every single time you're like well it's gotta be the finish and it's like no there's a kick out you see hangman page do a fucking one-winged angel on one of the bucks and you're like, Oh my God, he just did Kenny's move. And still it's like, that's not the end. It's just, see now that, that doesn't bother me mm-hmm. because I, I don't know how Shad's going to come down on this. Now, if you, if you do a guy's own finisher to him, I don't think you should necessarily beat him because there's entering logic to that. Yeah. Is one, it's not your move. So you're not going to do mm-hmm. it as well. But secondly, it's that guy's move and he's going to know the ins and outs of it and probably take the move better than most people would. So, like, I'm fine in instances where you steal a guy's finisher and it doesn't mm-hmm. get the job done. Yeah, I, I'd well, agree with that. Yeah, in this case, like, he's he's doing the finisher of his, like, his tag team partner. But it, to me, it was like, it's such an amazing, you know it's fake. You know it's fake. And yet, it's it, that match was done in a way that it's like, you're on the edge of your seat, like, oh, my God, what, what's going to happen? And it's like, well, you know, one someone's going to win. Like, and they're not really beating each other, but you're on the edge of your seat. It's like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I, 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 he just did like a, there was this, the hangman and Kenny, like they did a V trigger slash, uh, buckshot lariat, like combo yeah, to one of the bucks. I forget which buck it was. And like, that still wasn't the finish. When I saw that, it's like, I know who won the match. And I saw that. And I'm like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? It's like, I, I, I've seen this. Like, yeah. I'm, in that moment, I'm I'm captivated. I'm like, what's going to happen? It's like, that's, it doesn't matter. Like, people know. It's exposed. It's just, what are you doing to get people invested? In that moment, I was invested. I'm like, what's going to happen? Like, I can't wait to see what's going to happen. You know what one of my favorite um, AEW moments of all time is? Is the parking lot brawl with the best friends and, um, the, Santana um, Ortiz. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When they win the match and they pile into to Trent's mom's van and they're driving oh, yeah. away while she's <laughs> giving them all the finger. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, that is one of my favorite moments. And, like, I know people would probably shit on that, but I thought it was hilarious. I was like, oh, man, you're going to get blood all over those seats, guys. Matt, I'm, I'm glad you referenced that episode we did with Duke because he made – he made the point I was going to get to before I uh, I lost it somewhere, but he said no one's going to go to a wrestling show to see you work the arm. Yeah, people want to go see cool stuff, and I've heard vets being like, "Oh, you're just doing what what you see on TV." It's like, yeah, because the crowd will react to that. Mm-hmm. It's already built in; they know what that is. They'll react to it, and so yeah, okay. So what? I'm using a move somebody on TV uses. People recognize there's a huge difference between me finishing somebody off with the snare trap versus doing a buffalo sleeper. Okay, one of them has credibility built in. The other one is like, why is he doing that with his arm? And you don't want to be you don't want to be in 2023. You don't want to be so out of touch. You're trying to use a hip toss as your finisher. Oh, my God. Like that's that you don't want to be that guy. Yeah, you don't. You want people to come back and see you because either you're doing it's it's going to be one of three things. Either people like you and they want to see you succeed, you do cool stuff, or people hate your guts and want to see bad things happen to you. And people are going to do cool stuff. And guess what? People like people that do cool stuff. That's why. So let them do cool stuff. That's why I think heels should have more boring offense to piss people off. There was a big difference between when I was a face and I was a heel, except for my last run. Cause, well, that was still different, but that was me doing more power stuff because I was bigger than everybody. Um, you know, when I was a face, you know, I had a flying chop like Ricky Steamboat did, and I, you know, I, I had the, you know, this sort of stuff, and I, I used the side effect that when I was a heel, I would kick you a bunch, I'd, I'd hit you, I'd get in your eyes, and then put you down, and I'd like try and like mess on a body part or something. I'm not trying to do like my tag finish with BJ was a combination stroke flatliner. That was our finish. Why? It was moves we both used and it put somebody down. We're not trying to do something big, but we're trying to show it's like, nope, this is the put away. Bam. There it goes. As opposed to, you know, team extreme who had a flying crossbody 450 splash combo that they would do. One of them would crossbody, you get out of the way. The other one would 450. It's like, okay, that fits. That's great, but, you know, let it – God. Actually, Vets that try and box people out of doing their own damn gimmick without knowing anything about their own damn gimmick or what things are like, and they're just out of touch, and they're trying to exert control, and they're threatened. I um, I appreciate Lance Archer's healing, just as a quick aside – that because, he just beats the hell out of people. <laughs> no, if he if he does something like when he when he works the dark tapings, like there was a match, he put someone against the guardrail and he he chopped them and the crowd popped, and then he went and put him against another guardrail and acted like he's gonna do it. He's like, nope, and he threw him back in the ring. Like so, it, when he does stuff, if the crowd pops, he'll taunt them like he's gonna do it again, and then be like, nope, I'm not giving that to you, because he doesn't that, want yeah. them to cheer for him. Yeah, that's great. That's wonderful. Or I think um he would do the he would like act like he's gonna throw a shirt in the crowd and they'd all pop and he just like drop it on the ring apron. Yeah, that's great. I mean, God, some of the old stuff, yes, some of the old stuff is, um, is evergreen. Giving away something to somebody in the crowd as a face 
is always going to get over. But, you know, there's some, working the arm for 10 minutes just ain't going to cut it anymore. The, the crowd has seen too much cool stuff to, you know, just that the business is not what it used to be. Things are different now. Yeah, but Rick you, Flair doesn't even work the same match as he used to. But, you know, the problem with that, their mentality with that, too, though, is you go back and watch stuff from the 80s. We, we've seen it a bit. Um, when guys are working the arm too much, like even in like 1984, the crowd will start chanting boring at them if they've yeah. had enough. Yeah, it's it's rose colored. You know, back in my day, we didn't have to do this. It's like, yeah, back in your day, you got called boring then, too. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is boomer mentality shit. We did it this way. That's how we're going to keep doing it because that's the way, that's what works. It's like, well, it doesn't work that way anymore. The internet's a thing. There's more wrestling on television now. WWF TV is not an hour on Saturday afternoon where it's three squash matches and then a bunch of promos. And there's a barn up the street charging five dollars less where the guy's going to do that 360 drop kick that they just saw on Dynamite two weeks ago that you're refusing to give them. Yeah, you you tell the guy not to do the drop salt. Because you're like, no, that's stupid. He's going to go somewhere else where he can do his drop salt and the crowd will pop yeah. for it. Or the or that person in the crowd that knows or is going to be like, well, this is boring. Like, oh, I'm going to try this show like the next town over or. Or they're just not going to come back. Yeah. Or they're getting nachos during your match. That happens, too. That's that's always a good sign. Like one, that was one of the things when I went to Dynamite. I was sitting there having a conversation with myself. It's like, I need to go to the bathroom. When am I going to do this? Oh, yeah. They they killed me because <laughs> because I had to pee for like the last like hour of that. But they don't like they don't even give you commercials because they like hype you up during the commercials or they'll do some angles during commercials like that yeah. show moves. Yeah. Yeah. Because like because like when you go to like Raw and Smackdown, I know Matt's been subjected to this. Like there can be like 30 minute stretches where you're just staring at a screen the whole time. Yeah, or you're – it's not, like, good matches. No. It's, like, great. I get, like, a 20-minute uh, Baron Corbin match. Like, what am, I, what am I to do with this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's the Miz's music. Well, I can go take that dump I've been thinking about. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, I, and I'm, I'm going to diverge for a moment, but I saw someone earlier today put together kind of a, a conglomeration of stuff guys in the company talking about Miz and they're like no 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 we like him the guy actually you know worked his way up from being a joke to actually you know wrestling and being on the main roster and that and he's willing to do whatever the hell you tell him to do and he'll just go do it and he's not it's not hard to get in the ring and work with him like apparently people the people in the locker room like the guy and like working with him because you know you're not going to kill yourself doing it it's not going to be five-star stuff but you could you can do fine. I was I like, mean, you know, it, I, I got to give the guy credit. He went from nothing to something to being a mainstay, and he's apparently not a prick. I know. Um, hey. It is funny that guys said working with Mil Moscris was easy because he didn't want to do shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fair. But, you know, Miz does more. He's just, you know. Who was that? I, I, I feel that... like I should give I should give props to that. 
Was that there's there's weird guys like that that get high praise because I think like Bret Hart said like he loved working with Kamala because it was just so easy. That makes sense to me. Remember, like, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Kamala's uh, nickname wasn't that like Easy Money? Yeah. Oh, that's go, right. You you go out there and like he was like remarkably light on his feet and agile, and he's so big and strong like he could, he could just do his his moves. And not he's not doing like V triggers and stuff and like that. He's I think just, he had a light like touch beating. too. Yeah, and he go out there and beat the hell out of you, but not really beat the hell out of you. It would be like actually like because he had a light touch, like it would not not be that bad. And you could just like sell for him like most of the match. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, easy money. It's almost like a night off because he would go out there do his stuff. He would look good. You would look good because like selling it. And then you would do some sort of comeback where you would win. Yeah. <clears throat> He um, said he loved working with Sting too. A lot of Sting's like weird. A lot of guys that were like wanted to have good matches. Like Vader loved Sting. He was like, yeah, yeah that, that dude could do whatever you wanted him to do. <laughs> um, oh god, one of the the he's on OVW now. One of the easiest matches I ever worked, and it was really good, was with Ronnie Roberts. And I know I've told that story before. Ronnie Roberts was it was so easy. And it was good. You know, both of us looked good. Both of us, you know, had our shine. It worked great. Was was that the match? Was that the Larry D one where you were you were like mid-match and like, oh, this is what working with good people's like. <laughs> with it was that's not entirely fair because I've I've worked with good people. No, but like, you said you said Duke it because you said you said it because you went and did something and their manager tried to fuck with you and you like turned on them and they cowered. Yeah, that was with Ronnie Roberts. Like I'm I'm walking up and the crowd's yelling at me, look behind you, look behind you. And I'm like, OK, I I, I would be an idiot. I turn and I look and there's the manager back there with the candlestick and I point at him and he he backs up. And I did a scoop slam on Ronnie Roberts and I didn't feel anything. It was just me moving my arms. It was like he did it to himself. It was it was fantastic. If everybody worked like that, I could probably still be doing it. But you know, you you just rec- you recognize the quality. <sighs> yeah, I wasn't I wasn't trying to dog on anyone. I just remember you were saying like, oh, this is like the we've got. I'm I'm working with guys. Oh, for example, working with Duke, even. Uh, I think Jade Cargill's the one doing the. Is it Jade Cargill or is it Willow Nightingale that has like the the rotating power slam thing? Who oh, does shit. that right now? I think that's Willow. Okay, you know what I'm talking about though, right? Yeah. She holds your crossbody and then spins and you go down. That was Duke's wild ride ten years ago. Like, yeah, I'm taking that bump. I'm taking. Duke was big enough; he could throw me around. Not a big, but it was never hard. Working with Alex Angel was never hard. Like everybody came out of those looking good. I the ma- I had a singles match with with Duke. He did his big power moves, and then I did like triangle chokes and chop blocks, and like, went after his leg and stuff. And and it worked, and we all came out of it looking good. And then you know I go and I go to another company, and I do that thing with uh, with Ronnie Roberts, and you know it it's it's. If both guys are committed to, like, we can both look good and come through this, it's great. And if you have someone who's just looking out for themselves, it's going to be – it's not going to be. So 
if anybody out there is an aspiring wrestler, keep that in mind. Both of you got to look good. You can't, I'm going to say, don't be Foley and just sell all the time. You both have to look good. Your stuff's got to be good. Their stuff's got to be good. Otherwise, it's just a one-sided match that that's, takes too long. That's something we've kind of talked about, though, um, that I think some of the top guys like Hogan, Brett, Austin, to a degree, get a bad name for, is um, when you're at the very tippy top, you do have to be selfish to a degree to protect yourself. You can protect yourself, but then also the other guy's stuff looks good. Yeah. I, Hogan Hogan sold for people. No, I mean, I mean, like, and I mean, even like, it's like, well, we want you to do this. And like, some guys get heat for that, but it's like, I'm not doing that. And it, you know, that'd be like in today's WWE environment where it's like, well, we want to do this dumb comedy things like, no. Look, I'm no, I'm not. You know, there's sometimes you say that, but then there's sometimes like, hell, let's do it. Even Charlotte's like pulled that a couple times and like she gets heat for it. But there's been a couple times where I'm like, yeah, she should have said that. Yeah. Look, sometimes it's just a dumb idea, no matter how funny it seems. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. That's not even a top guy thing. That's, you know, protect yourself. Because if they can get you to do something stupid, then they might try and get you to do something dangerous. But I and I was listening to something. Um, it was an interesting talk. They were talking. It was um the Uncharted Territory podcast because two of the guys have um have uh been a ring announcer for an Iowa indie. Mm-hmm. And they brought Greg Valentine in, and um Greg was gonna win because you know you're bringing the vet in to draw the crowd and stuff. But it was an interesting thing because so he was working with like the local top guy. Yeah. And so what Greg said is, well, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm going to beat you with an elbow drop off the ropes, but I'm going to let you get out of the figure four. Okay. And I was like, I was like, Oh, um, that's an interesting, like you're giving him you're there's like, like it was the give and take. There is like, I know I'm beating you, but I'm going to give you this. Yeah. That's clever. Actually. Yeah. And, I, and I that's, agree with that's, that. that's fair to the other guy too. It's like, he, you're giving the other guy some shine. Yeah. It's like, I'm not going to cut your balls off. Like, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a feather you can put in your, your cap. Mm-hmm. Right. That's, um, if I use the phrase, the guy, that guy's got to come to work tomorrow. That's what I'm talking about is you don't want to kill the guy because when you leave and he's got to show back up what's left. Right. Yeah. So, or even like, I even think like. If it, I mean, it, they've devalued it. I think it would work in AEW, but it's like, well, they want me to beat you, but like, this is fucking dumb. Why don't, why don't you just like get? Why don't, why don't I just win by DQ? I mean, sure, do that. You or, can still walk away, and but yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Or like Japan does it more, and it used to matter more in the states, and it's really hard to drill that into people. But in tags, and this should be true of everything. The guy that loses the match is the guy that gets pinned. And that, like, you should use that more for um, protecting guys. Yeah. You, you should, but not what happens. Like, you can put a main eventer and a mid-carder in there, and if you, if you like, don't be like, well, the main eventer is there so they can't lose. Like, no, pin the mid-carder, dumbass. Oh, that was when when BJ was hanging his boots up. That was part of the promo that I had going in was 
you know, I said to him, I was like, you and I were going for the tag titles and you got pinned, but somehow it's my fault. And Sammy and I went for the tag titles and he got pinned, but somehow it's my fault. I don't think so. You owe me an apology. He's like, I ain't apologizing to you for nothing. I was like, I'm going to beat it out of you then. Like we had this whole thing about it. It's like, you're not blaming me because I'm not the one that got pinned. <sighs> Sorry, guys. I talked a lot on this episode. Well, it was about you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, your pet peeves. But still. And we were, I was poking the bear too. <laughs> also, can we, can we talk about something I've been reading about and I, I'm really passionately want to see, and it's probably the first movie in a long time I want to see, but God damn, this cocaine bear movie looks amazing. Cocaine bear. Like I was reading that it does like a line of Coke off of a severed leg at some point. It jumps <laughs> into the ba- back of an ambulance. I'm like, Oh my God. Like I have to fucking see this movie. My understanding I, I have not seen it yet, but I've read a little bit about it. Is that it? It is a dark comedy. Yeah, that's like what I read. A, like Tucker and Dale versus Evil, but a little darker. Yeah. And I loved Tucker and Dale versus Evil. I know. And I was trying to explain it to my wife, and I was getting that look, and I'm like, I'm like, okay, okay, fine. <laughs> but I, I just I just want to say, like, the more I've read about it, the more I've wanted to see it. And I even saw a picture of it, like, diving into the ambulance. I'm like, oh, my God, this this movie is, like, amazing. They're having fun with it, and they know they're having – it's directed by Elizabeth Banks. And That's she's the sh- like, shocking part because I haven't really – she did she, that Charlie's Angels that bombed. Oh, I forgot about that. She uh... – I think she did some of the Pitch Perfect movies, which, you know, <clears throat> those movies are actually a lot more fun than you think they are. Okay. For, like, just movies that are just kind of like, I think they're more, more for women, but, I mean, I've seen two or three of them with my wife, and they are, like, perfectly fine. And they're, they're not something that you're going to, per se, count as, like, one of your, your favorite movies, like, ten years later, but it's, like, they're relatively inoffensive waste of like you know a couple hours of your time yeah yeah i mean they're fun they're, they don't try to pretend to be anything they're not exactly and yeah. cocaine bear doesn't either <laughs> well, i think cocaine bear is promising to be as ridiculous as it can possibly be yeah i tell you what if either of you guys ever get in my neck neck of the wood we'll go see the cocaine bear we'll go see pablo escobar Oh, is that is that where it happened? That this is based no. on? Oh. It happened in Georgia. Okay, here's the thing. It happened in Georgia. The actual event was they found the bear. It had eaten all this cocaine and fallen over dead. But someone got it taxidermied. And then it was purchased by, like, Waylon Jennings. Oh. And then somebody in – somebody in – yeah, Waylon Jennings had Pablo Escobar – in his like den, and then someone in Vegas bought it, and now the guys that run the Kentucky for Kentucky store bought Pablo Escobar and have him in their showroom. So if you guys ever get my way, we'll go see the cocaine bear, like the actual cocaine bear. <laughs> oh man, that's amazing! It's like Waylon, are you fucking sniffing the bear's <laughs> hair again? Yeah, yeah, the the bear ate something like six bricks of cocaine. I read about it. It it, it ingested a million dollars worth of cocaine. Yep, and fell over dead. But yeah, that movie looks ridiculous and awesome. That's what I'm hearing, too. 
That's what I'm hearing. And I've heard I've heard pretty good things about it. Unlike Ant-Man, which I think Justin and my in-laws are the only people that I've heard say something nice about it. I've heard other people enjoy it, but it's it's not. I think everything post um, Endgame is kind of suffering from the fact it's like, well, but the story's over. Well, you shouldn't make something up like they have like a council of Kangs in it. And I should not. My first thought should not be like, so they have a council of Ricks. <laughs> all right i think we've about uh well i've about run out of steam what about you guys yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right everybody thank you for joining us for this episode um sorry i ranted a lot but i think that was the draw here uh everybody thank you for joining us please hit us up on social media we would love to hear from you and so this is shad with matt and brad we've been in three corners you're in the fourth and we'll catch you next time.